You're listening to The Dollop on the All Things Comedy Network. Network, network, network. This is a bilingual American history podcast where each week I, Dave Anthony, with my dogs barking, read a story from American history to my friend. Gareth Reynolds, who has no idea what the topic is going to be about and has no background distractions because he's professional. Well. All right. Well, you do have a seal that waddles around the house. I do not have a seal that waddles around my house at all. I've 100% 100 seen the seal, and it waddles around your house. And I've seen the seal bite. I've seen the seal bite you. No. I've seen it bite you like you're a fish. I have a cat that you have called a seal in uh, a terrible fashion. And, And I don't know if you know, Dave, but that's caught on. And uh, and he's a cat, and he's a little bit of a chunky monkey, but barely. And he's not a seal. And sure, he's bitten me, but you know what, Dave? I've bitten him. And I, frankly, I wouldn't want to be in a relationship with a cat where we weren't biting each other. It's good course correction. I need it. He needs it. We need it. So this used to be funny, but now this fantasy world that you're living in where you think a seal as a cat is no let me stop you there no no it is a cat i just think it's, it's just good we need to get you some mental health uh help no you don't no you don't at least not for this well it's not it's not great it's not a great look it's um it's well you're the one who keeps making up that he's a seal when he's a cat a, you know that's what i was talking about yeah it's I don't feed him fish. He doesn't. Or, or. None of that no, happens. We're aware that you're not feeding the seal fish. It's one of the problems. And what I'm going to have to do okay. is call some sort of animal department. Some sort of animal. Some sort of animal department in department. Los Angeles. Yeah, go find your animal department. To come to your yeah, home. call them. Yeah, go call your uh, go call your animal department. Animal, animal services, them. I guess it would be. Go call LA Animal County Services. Animal, yeah, let them know your problem. Over. Yeah, and then when they get over to my place, and then when they see that it's a cat and not a seal, you're going to be on the hook for faulty reporting. You can't just call them false reports like that. That's a crime. Wasting taxpayer dollars during a pandemic. God, you're selfish. God, you're so selfish. And called it, quote, his jam pad. Jam pad? I'm the fucking hippo guy. Dave, okay. My name's Gary. <laughs> My name's Gary. Wait, is it for fun? And this is not going to become the Tiggly Podcast. Okay. This is like anarchy. On a five-part coefficient. <laughs> My room is Now hit him with the puppy. You both present sick arguments. <laughs> no sleep tell hippo. No sleep tell hippo. Action part. Hi, Gary. No. Nicely done, my friend. No. No. Uh, I just want to. I just want to throw a shout out to the person who emailed me and told me I was a fascist. Oh, cool! <laughs> how are you a fascist? What? What? How? It's. A, I, I think it's America's going to end like the end of Reservoir Dogs, where everybody's <laughs> just accusing everybody of a fascist, and everyone just dies. Yeah, I mean, it's. Well, I'm pretty aware of what fascism is. I actually read a lot about it. Yeah. Um, I feel like I don't fit the mold, but who knows? I could be a fascist. Yeah. This could be a fascist podcast. This is what we've been preaching the whole time. Right? Yeah. Well, we do fascist week. When they do fashion week, that's what we do here. That's right. Our whole new line. 1981, oh. the year of our Lord, 
Jesus Christ. James Cameron. Oh, damn it. I knew it was a JC. Jesus Christ. 81? This is late. Yeah, it is. Peter Kern was a 34-year-old nursing home owner living in Ohio. Okay. And in 1981, he bought a minor league California baseball team. Okay. <laughs> uh oh. What? That's just, you know, the, the, these have a track, the baseball ones have a track record. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of stuff's going on spouse uh, swapping, rock throwing, fire truck yeah. chasing. Yeah, there can be a lot in a baseball one. Um, High fives San- being invented. That's right. The San Jose Missions uh, were bought for $65,000. The San Jose Missions? Yeah, that's the name of the team. That is a clunky. I already have a note for the team for the rebound. <laughs> it's They're not, not great. called the Missions. Are they going to be like, is this a Christian baseball team? Uh, no, no, he just bought a uh, Then the team. name is preposterous. Okay. I get it. I don't like it. We're the missions. <laughs> it's just, we're the it's journeys. Just a, it's just a terrible name. It's a terrible name. Yeah, we're the maps. We're the San Francisco maps. Um, so the team signed a, they, they very quickly signed a player development contract with the Montreal Expos of Major League Baseball. So Montreal's okay. a team that plays in the top, you know, biggest league, the pros. So they'll so they, have them be this, their... Yeah, so they're going to now be what's known as a farm team. This means yeah. they'll help to develop young Astro players. So it's like kids that are just starting out or guys that are working on stuff. Yeah, people aren't ready for the Expos are now part of the missions. That's right. So they're yeah. no longer called, they're no longer called, after that they're no longer called the Missions. Now they're the San Jose Expos. That's how that works. Okay. Better. Um, so I'll, I'll explain how this works for this. So there's Major League Baseball teams. Uh, each, each Major League base, Baseball team has a bunch of lower teams playing below it where they have players that they hope are going to turn into Major League Baseball players. And there's three levels. There's AAA, there's AA, and there's A. AAA is the best. And then down at the very bottom, there are the A teams. Scrappers, the new kids, raw players. This right. is the level of the San Jose Expos. Okay. So Kern hired Harry Stavrenos to be the team general manager. So he makes all the decisions. He runs the team. Uh, he's not just the coach. He's the guy who does all the, buys the players and does all the stuff. Is he also the coach? No, he's not the coach. Okay, he's just the GM. Okay. Uh, so... Harry's a cigar-smoking 26-year-old dude. He, sure. had a, he had a bit of experience working in baseball with the Miami Amigos and the Macon Peaches. Sure, absolutely. Yep, the Peaches. <laughs> go, Peaches. Go. I like and, the Miami Friends. Yeah, the Miami Friends are also really good. <laughs> we are the Miami Friends. Pie! Hello, good to meet you. Yes, what are you doing this weekend? Oh, you must come to the house. You just must. Hello, is that your wife? Good to meet you. I've heard so much about you. Gosh, you have to come to this house this weekend. We're having a party. We're having a swimming party. Come on, everyone. The peaches will even be there. It's going to be quite a weekend. You are not going anywhere until you shake this hand, friend. (laughs) Do we even need to play the game? I feel like it's just a waste of everybody's time. Let's braid each other's hair. Let's make friendship it. bracelets. I love it. Yay. So uh, 
Harry doesn't know a lot about baseball. One player said, quote, he reminded me of the guy who started the gong show. Wow, that is a terrible comparison. (laughs) (laughs) That is. In what way? In the sense, in the way that, I mean, well, okay. If you are 26 and smoke cigars, it, it, I mean, I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I know it happens. But to me, it, it's, I feel like you graduate to cigars. This, yeah, I, yeah. To me, it feels like a child trying to be a businessman. A hundred percent. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, so, so the team is not good. They had a 66 and 74 record in 1982. Media in San Jose doesn't pay attention at all. Fans don't go. At one point, Harry gave out 30,000 free tickets to local businesses and only 120 were used. So there's not a lot oh. of demand. <laughs> oh my God. It's just. You know, San Jose is a big city, and a thing like a minor yeah. league team is not what people get excited about. So, sure, clearly. After that season, the Expos pull out of the deal, so they're without a major league team. So they become an that that means they're an independent club. They're not anything anymore. Now they're just like we are just looking for. We're basically just going town to town looking for games. Well, no, now they can be in a league, but they're just not. They're just not associated with the team, which means no money. Number one, you're not getting money. You have to right. make all your money off of ticket sales, and no, and no upside for player prospects. That's right. It's really hard to sign players. It's yeah. um, it's basically really hard to survive without a major league right. contract. Right. So they change. Kern and Harry changed the name of the team to the San Jose Bees. Better, really, very fills everyone with fear uh, <laughs> right away. It's. We, we sting you and die. We're the bees. I didn't put that together, but this is right around the time of the uh, killer bees uh, fear. I wonder if uh, that's... Now, now, see, yeah. it really shows you how one word changes the whole team name. Yeah. Killer bees? That's a badass yeah. name. Bees? Come on. <laughs> what are you so, guys going to do? Put honey on my cereal? Let's go. <laughs> so because of the money problems, they were trying to figure it out. So Kern leased the bees to Harry for $25,000. So he so Harry's the, the beekeeper. Yes, Harry's the beekeeper. So now Harry is posing as the owner. He pays the bills, but he can also keep the profits. But he's not the owner. And this, according to Harry, was, quote, totally illegal. It's right there in the National Association Blue Book. Okay, so they're, br- right. they're breaking the rules of baseball immediately. It's completely okay. illegal to do this. Right, right, okay, right. So using connections, Harry made a deal with a Japanese professional baseball team. Okay. The, the Saibu Lions. What the, what the Lions did was they sent five players and $25,000 to cover the players' costs uh, and then in 1983 and 84, that went up to $50,000 a year. Again, the bees finish in last place in 83. I'm, just, I'm sorry, 84. the name is so non threatening. It is it's not, a crazy it's, name. It's not threatening. So they finish in last Where place. Where the flies? <laughs> the San Jose moths. Yeah. They finish in last place in 83 and 84 and 85. Okay. America is in. The Ronald Reagan drug war hysteria years. Best years we've had. Nancy Reagan is pushing her ridiculous just say no <laughs> campaign, which if you don't know what it is, it means that we just tell children to it just worked. say no to drugs. They still it worked. do it. It worked. Uh, Dare is very active in California. Yeah, um, dare kids to try drugs. That campaign worked for me. 
Well, it certainly helped us with marijuana and that stuff. Yeah. As, yeah. People deserve life sentences for that. Anyway, after, not to get political. After his success running the Olympics in 1984, Peter Ubaroff became the Major League Baseball Commissioner. Okay. So Ubaroff, uh, if you don't know, he's, uh, he, was, he was like the savior of the 84 Olympics, but he's actually a total uh, uh, right-wingy douchebag. So he decided to crack down on drugs in baseball hard. Every employee in baseball was randomly drug tested from the owners to the secretaries to the bad boys, except for the players. Because that makes sense. Because if (laughs) the bad boys, no, 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 no. Go ahead. If the bad boys are on drugs, people are going to get the wrong bats. That's right. If the players are on drugs, nobody cares. That's correct. Nobody pays attention to the players. Yep. Perfect. Perfect system. We want drugs out of these athletes, so we're testing everybody who's been around them. Uh, so cocaine was big with the players. We, we talked about this in the Pittsburgh Pirates episode. Yep. Tim Raines was doing a uh, great player, played for Montreal, was doing coke in the dugout bathroom during games. Sure. He kept cocaine in his back pocket. And he was known for sliding head first. The reason he started sliding head first into bases was because he didn't want his cocaine to come out or you know the bag to break in his pocket. Now, now people probably are like, how do you know when you have a cocaine problem? When it changes your sliding form. <laughs> how hard is it to get another pocket? <laughs> or put it, I mean, how hard is it to just hide it in the dugout? Uh, yeah, Lonnie Smith. You don't Smith. need it on you. Are you doing lines on like out there? <laughs> All right, let's meet at second base and we'll do a bump. <laughs> uh, Lonnie Smith, when the team would travel, he got socks that had pockets in them so he could put his Coke in his sock pockets. Sure, in his sockets. No problem. <laughs> Great. The Pittsburgh Pirates cocaine scandal uh, had blown up, and in 1985, they were now testifying in court cases. Other mm-hmm. players are being arrested and suspended for doing coke. So Ubaroth said of uh, Major League Baseball, quote, we're going to remove drugs and be an example. So sure. he suspends a bunch of players. And other players who were suspected of doing coke were forced to take drug tests. Basically, word got out, stay away from these players. Teams don't sign these guys. Okay. So all these players are marked. Harry sees this as an opportunity for the San Jose oh Bees. Oh, oh my! Why did why why do I sometimes just float along and not <laughs> see where it's coming? I'm just like, okay, yeah. So there's a bunch of people doing cook. Uh, well, they're on the blacklist. Well, what? okay, yeah. We're oh, of course he's gonna take a bunch of coke heads to the bees. <laughs> These bees don't make honey; they snort lines. Uh, so. Steve Howe was a, a top, top baseball player with a serious cocaine problem. He had been Rookie of the Year in 1980. He won a World Series. And then in 1981, he tried blow. A year later, he was spending $1,000 a day on cocaine. Oh, my God. He was doing it in the bullpen during games. So if you don't know what that is, the pitchers sit out in the outfield and wait until they get called in. So he's just sitting with the other pitchers. He's doing blow. In, in 1982... He came out and he publicly announced that he had a cocaine problem and he was going to rehab. So okay. he did that all on. A, he did that. It's on a, actually a behab. Behab. That's right. Uh, by 1985, he had been in rehab four times. Sure. 
The Dodgers had cut him from their team, and then the Twins cut him. He, he was, at this point, 28 years old and uh, working as a radio DJ in Montana. Sure. Yep. Logically, easy to see how that happened. So Harry flew out there. You're going to be <laughs> our morning pitcher. <laughs> so Harry flew out there and offered How $2,000 a month How said no Because he was expecting major league teams To come and right. make an offer He, still, he right. could still pitch This guy, he's 28, right. he's in his prime um, None came he went, to, he went to the winter meetings No one would talk to him So he's clearly been blackballed So he takes he's been Harry's offer Yes, he's been okay. So he takes Harry's offer News makes front page of the San Jose Mercury News. Harry, quote, I knew then we were on our way. So finally, they're getting just attention in San Jose, uh-huh. but also nationwide. Like whenever Steve Howe did something at this point, it was news. So Howe is now living in a hotel under a fake name in San Jose. Okay. Now, these blackballed players, they have two choices. They can play in another country. Or they can play for an independent team, but there's no other option. The, the Lions need a player. Uh, <laughs> and so in 1986, there were only two independent teams, the Miami Marlins and the San Jose Bees. After Howe signs, other players start calling Harry. Mike Norris made it to the big leagues in 1975 when he was 20. That was huge amphetamine time in uh, MLB. The first day, there was a speed pill in his locker for him to take before the game. Sure. And he didn't know what it was. So he just threw it out. Uh, players, if they didn't take speed and they played, the other players called that playing naked. So that's how common, that's how common speed was. It's just crazy to assume that someone's going to take, like, you're professional at like you're the whole thing is that your body already seems like it's on speed. But the idea that your interventions are for the people who aren't like, you know, look, we understand we saw you out there today playing naked and we just were a little concerned. Obviously, <laughs> it doesn't seem like you're one of us. And the only thing we're trying to get across to you is that, that this way the team works is in a lot of ways it's like a body. Like we're all pieces in this body and we all together form a super body. And that's what we're really going for. But the idea that you're not putting a little speed in your body before that makes us all a little worried, honestly. I mean, Ooh. look at us. We're kind of freaking out a little bit. But yeah. The fact that you're yawning right now is not good. I've been yeah, up for I'm four take days. It. I played five double headers, and I still I'm not done talking yet. And I still have not had. I haven't even blinked. I don't even blink anymore. I just put eye drops in it. Sort of like clockwork origin around the clubhouse all the time. That's kind of the way I'm rolling right now. We're all rolling like that a little bit. But the, again, the idea that we see a speed pill in your locker, then we see that speed pill in the garbage, that's not a good indicator. That's not showing us that you're a bee. And what we bees do is we flap our wings a bunch, and that's metaphorical, but that's also literal because if you think about it, we do have wings. I mean, we're all angels. I mean, not Anaheim angels or Los Angeles angels. We're the angels on Earth, right? We're the angels in the outfield. That is in movies? Has any movie even been made yet? I don't even know. But the point is, can you get a little uh, like a knife so I could wipe some of the froth off the side of my mouth here? Like how they used to put uh, froth off in the ales back in the day in the old west. Do you ever see a movie? Do you like movies? Have you seen Tombstone? Kurt Russell's a hell of an actor. That Val Kilmer's pretty good too. <sighs> my nostrils just... hurt. Oh, my body hurts. All of our bodies hurt. Listen, come here. Hug me. Bring it in. Bring it in. On three, we're going to do speed. One, two, three, speed. All right, I'm gonna t- it's midnight, so I'm going to take off. Is it midnight already? I didn't realize I'd been yeah, up that we long. Were talk- crazy. We were well, talking for six like, hours. Well, how about this? How about this? Get on my back. I'll run you home. Okay? It's not going to be a problem. Okay. I don't need... I'll run right through those walls right there. We'll go out that way. I don't know how far away you live, but if you're under 40 miles, I can get you in there 20 minutes. <laughs> so 
uh, in Norris's very first game in the major leagues, he threw a three hit shutout. Very, very rare. Like uh, he, he's very good. Right. Three years later, he finally tries speed. He's the second best pitcher in baseball in 1980. In 1982, he tried smoking cocaine. Uh, so that just takes off. Uh, soon, he's connected to a drug dealer in Kansas City who exchanges blow for baseball memorabilia. Sure, sure. sure. <laughs> I mean, that's as a manager, you're like, wasn't there a table here? <laughs> Did we have a card? Did we have a card table here a little while ago? Hey, Frank, like, where's is- your locker? Your whole locker's gone. Yeah, I don't know. I've just been kind of put my stuff in this pile. I wasn't sure. Hey, guys, we're out of bats. There's not a bat here. <laughs> I mean, there's not a bat. We don't have any bats. All right, look, we don't have any bats, but we do have balls. We have two balls. All right, we have two balls. Frank doesn't have a locker. It's fine. Things are just, I, we probably just don't remember where we put it last. Anyone know what happened to the uniforms? Oh, uh, I should point that out. Most of the uniforms are gone. So we're going to wear sheets that we've put marker on. <laughs> By 1985, Norris had gone to rehab five times. Uh, so no teams will offer him uh, anything. The A's offer him a contract, but it's for, it's for the minors, and he's insulted. Uh, he turns it down, and then okay. he finds out no one else will offer him anything. So he gets arrested in the Dominican Republic for uh, having pot on him. He gets two DUIs. He's arrested for doing coke in a motel. So he's really hitting the fucking skids. Right. He's blackballed from baseball. Harry offers him a contract. Uh, Daryl Sconiers had been considered the next big thing. Reggie Jackson, one of the all-time great players, oh, wow. called, called Sconiers, quote, maybe even a p- better pure hitter than Bill Matlock. Sconiers started smoking crack. In 1985, he didn't show up to the Anaheim Angels spring training for 17 days. When he did, he admitted he had a drug problem. So he, again, he came out on his own and said, look, I have a problem. I need help. Right. He told the press he goes to rehab. His family stops speaking to him. Wife divorces him. Baseball pushes him out. The Angels released him a year later. Ubroth named him as a player who would always be drug tested and then no one would sign him. So once you're on that fucking list, that Ubroth list, that's it. Right. You're screwed. It's a blackball list. Yeah. Except for the really great guys, the Keith Hernandez's who, who get suspended for a year and then get to keep playing baseball forever. There's oh, a very, I didn't know, I didn't know he's a very top tier guys get to do whatever the fuck they want sort of thing. Right. And then other guys are being punished. It, yeah. It's, it's a, uh, yeah, it's not great. So when Ken Wrights first went to the St. Louis Cardinals clubhouse in 1982, he could not believe it. Quote, cigarettes, chewing tobacco, candy gum, a cooler for a, full of beer. It was a, it was a, it was as if baseball promoted being a degenerate. I love that gum's on there. He's like, gum? <laughs> what are you guys, animals? <laughs> gum? What's next, sunflower seeds? That's terrible for your teeth. Uh, Wrights is an amazing fielder. He won a Golden Glove in 1975. In 1977, he set a Major League Baseball record for fewest errors by a third baseman. They nicknamed him the Samboni because he cleaned everything up. Oh, boy. Well, that was, yeah. That's, and he yeah. Also, t- also took in a lot of snow. <laughs> uh, in 1978, he was in the locker room, and the guy next to him pulled out a vial, and Wrights asked what it was. The guy said, Coke, quote, let me try that. And off he went. 
I can't believe I like I can't believe how after school especially these moments really are. Oh, like totally. that's what like f- like film films in school would make me think how it would happen. You know, someone would be like, "This it's cocaine. Do you want to try some?" And I'd be like, "I will try some of your cocaine." Like it just seems very uh, sterile. It's like scripted. It is. It's, it's totally 100%. It just feel, it has that feel. And they all have that story of like, Hey, what is hey, that? Man. It is cocaine. Do you want to ruin your life with it? Yes, I should try to ruin my life with some of that. Um, so he, he, he moves around from team to team. In Chicago, uh, he met the same guy who traded memorabilia for drugs. So this guy's all over Major League Baseball. The memorabilia guy. Hey, awesome, yeah. man. Nice jacket. You want a line? Uh. Writes also that guy got rights hooked on pills, so he's taking everything. His marriage ends. He he drinks all the time. One day in Chicago, after a two day speed binge, he was driving and he thought a stranger was hiding in his back seat. So he jumped out, pulled Ah. out a shotgun, and just started shooting the car. Jesus Christ! Can you imagine seeing that? Oh, that'd be amazing to see. Uh, Never mind. It's just my jacket. Uh, what? How do I? What should I mark this on? Ways it says. Is there? A- <laughs> um, I would just do construction. <laughs> just do construction or vehicle pulled off to the side. Uh, so Wrights goes to uh, rehab, but his career is toast. No one, no one wants him. And then his dad mentions the San Jose Bees, and Wrights became the oldest player on the Bees and the captain. Quote, Harry was the, the only the queen. one. <laughs> Harry, Harry was the only one in all of baseball willing to give me a fourth second chance. Wow. Yeah. Uh, when Wrights got there, he started calling the team the bad news bees and the name right. stuck. Okay. And there's other bees with substance abuse issues. Uh, Daryl Thomas had been part of the Pirates Coke scene. Todd Cruz was an alcoholic who played for six teams in six years. Um, there are also a bunch of younger players trying to make it. And then there's the five Japanese guys. So it's just kind of crazy just but mix. Th- those five Japanese guys are like, boy, Americans do a <laughs> lot of drugs. <laughs> I mean, just a lot. Just from my sampling alone, a lot of drugs. <laughs> And in Japan, like if you were caught with pot, like you go to jail. Like they're they're right. really strict. So it's just right. weird, you know. All right. On one of the very first long road trips, Wright's taught the Japanese players the song Jingle Bells and how to say cow, six pack, Hulk Hogan, and blowjob. Oh my god. Oh, That's immediate corruption. The important things. Yeah. What an amazing list of things to do right away. Uh, no, don't worry. I'm going to handle it. It's Look, it's culture shock for these guys, so it's baby steps. I'm going to teach them about jingle bells and what getting your dick sucked means in the back. <laughs> so Mike Norris is like a team favorite. Everybody loves him. He's funny. He's got an infectious laugh. The guys would tease him about his, his coke problem. A reliever once asked Norris, quote, do you ever go through the drive-thru of a fast food restaurant and just order a straw? <laughs> That's a good bit. And Norris would just fucking laugh at these things. He thought they were very funny. Um, right. But Norris was also always late. Because he kept having to go to the IRS, the DMV, and court, and his license was suspended, so he couldn't drive. Okay. So that was making him late for everything. So he asked Harry to sign a career minor league guy who had a car named Kenny Foster. 
Kenny hadn't played baseball in a year, but he did own an old green dented Buick that he nicknamed Bess. Wait, he is getting him to sign a player because he has a car? Yes. <laughs> well, that's a pretty low bar. <laughs> How is he at uh, baseball? His fundamentals are weak. Can he hit? Not really. Is he a pitcher? Not good. Fast? Slow. What's the upside? He's got a green car. I'll sign this man. <laughs> Harry signs him. Uh, <laughs> We'd like to give you a car a number two. The manager was Frank Verdi, who had jumped around baseball for years. He had uh, only one shot in the majors. The Yankees called him up on May 10th, 1953. He played an inning in the, in the outfield, and then he was sent in to pitch hit. The other team, when he came up to bat, switched pitchers. And then the manager took him out before he saw one pitch. Oh, and no. That was, the, that was his only major league at bat in his entire career. Oh, no. So after no. that game, he was dropped. He didn't even have a taste. Someone just, like, put it in front of him, and he tried to bite it, and then they took it away. I mean, it's just like, it's like fantasy. It's like they were like, what's it like to set foot on a major league ball pitch? <laughs> And have the feeling that you're about to swing one and crack it out of the ballpark. Well, you can come down for an extra $500 and experience that feeling this Saturday. Wrigley Field. Feel what it's like to almost be a ball player. <laughs> like his parents maybe were there. Oh, shit. He's, he's stepping up to bat. He's up to bat. Honey, he's up to bat. Honey, our boy's about to bat in the main. They switched the pitcher. Oh, I think he's going to be able to hit a lot easier off of this guy. <laughs> I tell you, I'm not. Everybody's taking him out. Oh, wait. Uh, I'm sure he'll be back up later. <laughs> so Verdi agrees to be the team manager, but five days before training camp, the Yankees offer him a job to be a scout, and he takes that and quits the bees. Great. Okay. <clears throat> so Harry is like, well, I don't, I don't have any fucking money, and I'll just manage the team. So he... Oh. No, knows nothing about managing, but he's now going to manage the team. Okay. At the beginning of uh, training, uh, this is how big it was that all these players have been signed, right? The press is going crazy for it. It's so big that a CBS news helicopter lands in the parking lot of the stadium because everybody is coming to see this team that is full of these players that used to be great that all got drummed out of baseball because of drugs. That it's just also huge... seems like news team ego. We've got the chopper. Yeah, but... Land the chopper. <laughs> this news is breaking so hard we need chopper. <laughs> the London News came, Rolling Stone, New York Times, Los Angeles Times, Philadelphia Daily News, Washington Post. They all send reporters wow. to see the misfits, this band of misfits. And the bees lean into it. A reporter asked how if the bees were actually bad news, and how said, quote, if that's what we were, we'd paint the team bus in black and put fuck me on the front of it. Excuse me, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, I think I might be at the wrong place. <laughs> you said you not fuck me on the front of the bus. The first day all the reporters were there, Norris writes how and Esconiers put on bandanas to look like outlaws and pose for pictures. Okay. Uh, the picture made it on the front page of uh, USA Today's sports section. Okay. Norris frisked Thomas at the outfield wall. I was leaning against the wall for other pictures. Like they're wow. just leaning into right, it. Right, yeah. Um, 
the parking the parking lot is full of fancy cars. Harry, quote, Mercedes, Porsche. Problem was, they went nowhere. A lot of the guys couldn't drive them because they all had their licenses suspended. So those are the player cars? Yeah, these guys all made money playing Major League Baseball. So it just looks like you're you opened a Mercedes dealership because they can never leave? They can't drive them. Right, okay, sure. <laughs> of course, I mean, they're signing players based on the fact that they have active licenses. So, you know. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, not the best part. Only one of our players can drive, too. This one. He doesn't hit either. And then on the other side of the spectrum, you know, it's the minor league. So there's guys who have no fucking money whatsoever. Like a a 34-year-old... A 34-year-old pitcher is sleeping in his van that he would drive and park in a stadium tunnel every night. Oh, my God. Wrights couldn't drive, so he rode around on a girl's 12-speed bike. What? What? And he lived in the stadium utility room with two other players. What? He, uh, this, uh, come on. He couldn't afford a boy's bike? (laughs) The utility room had beds with sleeping bags on top of them, a hot water heater, a black and white TV, six broken stadium chairs, and carpet they had taken out of a dumpster, a neon core sign, a Led Zeppelin poster, and a washing machine. I'll tell you what, the, it sounds a lot better than I thought it would. Uh, <laughs> and it's kind of got most of the things you need. I mean, considering we are in America, a lot of people are like, fuck, I take that right now. Yeah, I mean, that, um, uh, the washing machine sold me on the unit. Well, the reason they had the washing machine in there was because it was the utility room. So the so players everyone, had to... Everyone did laundry in there. Their rent was doing the team's laundry every morning. Oh, God. And my guess is not great laundry. Uh, There was no bathroom, so they peed outside. Sure. Uh, The bees called it the Stadium Hilton. (laughs) It's under a grandstand, so it has the pattern of a grandstand on the roof, you know, when you're under a grandstand. (laughs) Uh, One roommate had been a private detective in Atlanta for the previous two years. He hadn't played in eight years. He was so bad, he was cut after five games. Hmm. The third roommate was Daryl Sias, who looked exactly like Jimmy Buffett. Where'd the parrots stay? (laughs) (laughs) Sias once had a Sporting News cover photo of rights on his wall. So he's literally rooming with a guy that he used to idolize who was on the front cover of Sporting News. If you told me we'd be living in a utility closet together, I'd have said that's madness. He had been a decent MLB, MLB player, but was cut to make room for younger guys. Uh, the A's cut him, but two months later, the A's came back looking for him because they had a bunch of injuries, but no one knew where he was or how to get a hold of him. Okay. So they actually would have brought him back on the team, but they he had no idea. Couldn't find him? Yeah, no one had his number. It was the 80s, so how are you going to yeah. get a hold of a guy? Unless- <laughs> <laughs> well, you shouldn't, have, you shouldn't have cut your private investigator. <laughs> So C.S. was an artist. He painted the sponsors' names on the outfield walls, the B's logo on the team bus, and inside of the stadium Hilton door, he painted Charlie Manson. Oh, Jesus Christ. What is going on? He said he wasn't a fan of Manson, but this, oh, was, okay. just a conver- this was just a conversation starter. Boy, boy, howdy, was it? You couldn't find many people who didn't want to know why he had a... 
homage of Charles Manson on your door. <laughs> uh, C.S. was also known to put on a Superman cape and jump from the outfield wall, and he would play golf in the outfield. Sure, sure, just like Superman. He told the reporter, quote, they tell you you're not supposed to take the game home with you, but that's tough to do when you live at the ballpark. Yeah, fair, <laughs> fair. By the way, what a, as far as proximity to your job, just can't beat it. Oh, people packing up their bags. You're like, <laughs> yeah. all right, I'll be in there. <laughs> uh so opening night was exactly what Harry expected. 5,000 fans came out. Huge turnout. They, the previous season, they would get an average of like 700. So right. as the team warmed up, CS was throwing incredibly fast, just firing the ball. One of the younger players was just like, I can't. This is amazing how fast this guy can throw. But he was doing a little too hard because he immediately blew out his arm. Oh, shit. <laughs> Writes, quote, couldn't throw the ball back to the pitcher after that. Oh, God. Steve Howe was still as good as he had been in the majors. Big league scouts came to see him pitch. He's the star of the team. Harry would bring him to luncheons to meet businessmen in San Jose, and Howe would charm the shit out of him. Harry, quote, everything was more fun with him. He even made the most routine events fun. He had a magnetic personality, and that's why he got nine chances, or however many he got. Let's face it, if he were a jerk, nobody would have wanted to help him. Mm. But the guys who had had previous problem with drugs saw how in a completely different light. Mm. Wrights thought he was a smart ass and rubbed players the wrong way. Quote, he acted like he didn't have a problem. He was in and out of treatment about 25 times and he's walking around like nothing happened. You can't do that. You need a support group. Mm. So these guys are also acting like this is the kind of stuff you hear in an AA room, right? Yeah, yeah. They're a support community also. So right. Like a sponsor of some kind, but he's, yeah, okay. I mean, I guess it is a, it is just one of those weird things you would probably never think of when you're putting this team together. Like, oh yeah, they're going to critique each other's sobriety because they all have been through so so much, you know. Yeah. So, um, uh, where am I? Uh, oh, so Norris, Norris said how was a con man. He once talked Norris's mother into making him a soul food dinner, which she brought to the ballpark, and then Howe did not show up. Quote, he charmed her like a snake. Those demons, he just never shook. Wow. So there's two sides to Steve Howe, which you get a lot with addiction. Like there's a, some people have a very charming personality, but then you get the dark side. So right. it's, you know, it can be fairly common. Uh, C.S. Uh, painted a mural on the door of the stadium, uh, a long black ribbon with home of the bad news bees and a swarm of bees coming out of a hive. Each right. player signed the mural. So every player on the team signs the mural. Near the very bottom is the name Rooster. Uh-huh. Sure. Of course. Every, every team needs a rooster. Rooster's not a player. Rooster was this guy okay. who was just hanging around. And, of course, Rooster... <laughs> Mostly he's hanging around with Hal Rooster has a mohawk No one knew what he did Or what his actual name was Okay Norris Quote I stayed away from Rooster He looked like an egregious character He didn't look like anybody I wanted to know And I'm from the street 
<laughs> Rooster was giving cocaine to Steve Howe. <laughs> I had a feeling that, uh, right, okay. Writes, quote, Rooster would show up and then Steve would disappear for three days and everybody covered for him. Family uh, emergency, whatever. But he still had great stuff. He still had great stuff. What does he mean great stuff? Like great ability or Pit, great He was still a really good pitcher. Okay. No, he's a really good pitcher. But it could have been either way. Yeah, I mean, Rooster. <laughs> oh. I know why they call him Rooster, because he keeps you up. <laughs> The first week of the season, Harry had a San Jose cop come and talk to the players about avoiding trouble in San Jose. Sure. At one point, the cop said, quote, there's this bar called PJ's. It's on market, about four blocks from the stadium. If there's one place in town you don't want to go, well, Who is this cop? What is he doing? That is the worst way to... Fr- what is he... I mean, honestly. <laughs> you know, there's one place where you can party hard. I'm going to tell you where it is and how to get there and how easy it is to go in. That's where you don't want to go, gentlemen. <laughs> Well, that's exactly what he did. Three days later, Harry is driving past the restaurant. Oh, uh, PJs. Let's go in there. Quote, and I saw basically every one of their cars was in the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was their hangout for the rest of the year. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> what? The cops should have I mean, just done that with like a pizza hut. There's a pizza <laughs> hut around here. It's a little wild. Don't want you guys going to that pizza hut on 5th. That is a wild pizza hut. A couple of weeks into the season, Foster and Norris, so they're, they keep coming late still, even though he got the car, right, and got, <laughs> got Foster on the team. They're still I, I got to be late. honest. You're going to be pretty pissed off if you signed a player just for his car and it has not relieved the situation. It hasn't helped at all. It hasn't helped one bit. <laughs> just, you, st- you know what I think we need to do is hire a watchman for the driver. Dad, what? <clears throat> just sign another guy who can't play to watch the driver who drives me. So Norris keeps missing starts. Like he's supposed to start pitching on that day and he comes a couple minutes before the game and, and they have to have someone else pitch. Right. So they, a couple weeks in the season, they come late again. He's got a case of the Waddells. That's right. Harry calls Foster into his office and he cuts, he cuts Foster. Okay. So Norris comes in right after and he tells Harry that Foster is one of the biggest gangsters in Oakland. Mm-hmm. He's like, dude, you just cut one of the baddest motherfuckers on earth. I mean, now you're this like, is you're like, well, I'm making like talent decisions. Like, well, you better stop. Now, this is not remotely true. Oh, okay. <laughs> He's just oh, telling okay. him that. Okay. The next day, Foster came back to Harry's office and he's crying. Quote, my mama told me to come in and apologize to you and to pray to the Lord that you'll take me back. And he promised Harry he would always be on time, so Harry took Foster back. Okay. Two weeks into the season, they head to Fresno for their first away games. Now, in baseball, you play like 12 games at home, and then you hit the road, and you play against like three teams over another 12 days and come back, or whatever, nine days. So um, it's their first road trip. Harry has Norris as the first starter in the first game. It would be his very first start, even though he's missed like three. But once again, Foster and Norris arrive late in Bess. So all the players are on the bus, and they drive up in Bess, and they're late. That game, there are uh, 1,500 fans in Fresno to watch, but seconds into the first pitch, it starts to rain. And they keep playing in the rain. It's muddy. It's terrible. By the seventh inning, there were 23 fans left. Eight of them were drunk and topless. 
One came all the way down near where the field is behind the plate and yelled, quote, hey, how you're a douchebag, a real douchebag. Yeah, real fucking douchebag. And then he dumped a full beer over his head. <laughs> how just sat quietly in the dugout. <laughs> oh, my God. So uh, things have changed since the majors. Uh-huh. Yeah. That access. Like, oh. I can't believe I get to pour a beer on this guy. <laughs> no, he poured a beer on his own head. Oh, he poured it on his own head. Yeah. <laughs> Even better. That is the moves of a drunk at a game. <laughs> on the way back on the way back to San Jose after the after the road trip, the team bus passes something burning on the side of the road. Uh oh. It was Bess. What? The card caught on fire. What? <laughs> and then they keep driving, and about a mile down the road, Norris and Foster are walking on the highway. <laughs> I mean, this this is who you signed for the car, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, this this is this is crazy. This is such a terrible <laughs> indicator of management that like the, the prospect, the idea of signing a person because they have a car is crazy. Yeah. Then the idea of not being like, yeah, no, you had one job, and that's to drive him. I mean, you yeah. need to have a short leash on this role. It's a very it's, replaceable role. It's yeah, it really is. Well, Foster bought a new car. He bought a new that's shitty car. That's not the solution. No, a new Foster is what you need. Uh, well, and they were still constantly late. So. I mean, <laughs> he warns them one last time, and then one day. Norris doesn't even show up, and, and Harry cuts both of them. He's like, you're both fucking done. Okay. Foster had played a total of five games. Norris had not thrown one pitch the whole time he was there. It's like oh two or three God. weeks in. The press asked Harry if it was due to drugs, and Harry made it very clear it was not drugs. It was their attitudes. Yeah. <laughs> so besides packing out San Jose Stadium, Harry really thought the roster of all these well-known sort of misfit players with problems, would pack out stadiums on the road. He thought wherever they went, there'd be tons of fans. Right. But the cocaine problems in baseball were upsetting the fans. And with the hyper sort of... Drug awareness. Angry government message coming out, uh, people are mad. So the crowds on the road were small, and they were angry at the players. Writes, quote, We'd go into these towns like Bakersfield, and there'd be signs across the road we don't want these drug addicts, these degenerate players. By now, Harry had actually changed. He originally signed these guys to win games and to bring in fans. Right. But then he gets to know them. Quote, once I got to know these guys, I took a personal interest. I'd like to see these guys beat the system and forget about their past and go on from here. So he gets to know them, and what was originally just a financial decision is now I want these guys to succeed. Emotional investment, yeah. Right. Yeah, he's got empathy for him. So after Norris and Foster left, the team gets hot and starts to win. They move up to second place. Howe is on fire, and he's passing his drug tests. In mid-May, the presidents of the San Francisco Giants and the Toronto Blue Jays were coming to a game just to watch Howe pitch. Okay. So by the time it gets there, that means... The scouts have seen him, and now the head guys are coming to get one final look right. to sign him. It means right. he's legitimately got a real shot. Right. Uh, and if anybody got signed, how uh, Harry would take a huge cut, like 50% of the 
money, upfront money or whatever it was. Right. Signing. Yeah. Um, so the day of the game, the president of the Nas- National Association, which oversees the minors, calls and says Howe's latest drug test had a discrepancy and told Harry he could not pitch that night. So Harry didn't understand why. He, he didn't say he'd flunked the test. A discrepancy. He didn't, know what the, he didn't know what discrepancy meant. And he's pissed because it took 13 days to get the result of the drug test. So he thinks something's really fucked up. Right. Because he can get the drug test overnight. Sure. So Harry, Harry told Howe not to come to the stadium. He goes, you're not dressed in tonight. Just stay at the hotel. But this is his huge night. And then Harry starts thinking it over. And he's like, discrepancy, discrepancy, fuck it. And he calls Howe at the hotel at 6.15 p.m., 45 minutes before the start, and tells him to come pitch. The next morning, Harry was suspended for two weeks wow. by baseball. Because Howe's test was positive. Okay. Howe, quote, I have used nothing. I have no involvement with drugs since I've been here. Zero. None. I think it's a conspiracy to keep me out of baseball. Uberoff's office barred Howe from playing pro baseball. So they lose their best player. Team falls apart. Quickly sinks back down to last place. It, what, what do you... I, I, was, was he using? Do you know? We'll get back to that. Okay. Now, at this point... Either Norris came to apologize or Harry called him up. Okay. But either way, the team needs a great pitcher. Norris is still a great pitcher. He's back on the bees. Uh, you just got to sign my buddy who'll drive me. <laughs> okay, this time I got a guy who's got a bicycle. I, got, I know this guy. He's got a wheelbarrow. It's perfect. Now, the Japanese players, as we said, they're not into drugs. They have this amazing work ethic. They're working out all the time. (laughs) They don't speak English. Uh, Probably for the best. Had come with a pitching coach had come with them from the Cebu Lions. From, okay. So there's this Japanese pitching coach. Uh, He also served as chaperone, their driver, acupuncturist, and disciplinarian. Hmm. That's fucking great. A little Swiss army knife. It, it, it's funny. It makes sense, though, when you think about it. Like a minor league coach, he's got to wear all these different hats. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But Acupun- I love these also. Ac- acupuncture. It's yeah. great, yeah. Well, they were probably like, that's just really helpful, actually. <laughs> so just routine mistakes brought fucking screaming from this Japanese coach. Wow. And often... Slaps on the face. Oh, my God. (laughs) What? These are grown men, sir. One player was slapped for talking on the phone. (laughs) Writes, quote, he would line guys up, and in Japanese, he would scream at them and slap them in the face (laughs) and tell them how, how horses they were. It was interesting how they did it. Arroyo, quote, one time one of the Japanese players struck out and he threw his helmet. Not hard. He just tossed it. They called him into the office and they made him stand there in front of the coach and they slapped him. (laughs) Okay, so wait. There are people actively doing cocaine on this team. That's right. And the guy drops his helmet and gets slapped. (laughs) Oh, shit. That is just a coat. Like... 
You just it wouldn't fly anymore. But man, what a time when you could oh. just when we oh is that the team of the slapping coach? Yeah, yeah, the guy who slaps. <laughs> yeah, he'll slap you. He doesn't like what you're doing. He'll slap you right across the mouth. No questions asked. <laughs> now this is obviously in stark contrast to the American players. You know we like don't slap day- so much here. Is the thing you're going to find? I don't know about in Japan, but here we don't hit them as much. We've not been slapping the players. We do not uh, hit them like that. Like one day, Sconiers borrowed Wright's 12-speak bike to go to the store, and he did not come back for three days. <laughs> well, but come on. <laughs> when he did, he told Wright's he had seen a car drive by, and he just knew the people inside had crack, so he rode the bike six miles chasing them down. Apparently, they had crack because he didn't come back. Wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. <clears throat> this is... That's right. No, you need more. Fucking use. crazy. So he went missing for three days because he borrowed a bike and on the bike, he just had like his crack spidey sense go up and he just knew there was crack in a car. And so he on pedal crack chased his gut instinct was right. And therefore he missed three days just to smoke and crack because of his hunch. That's right. His crack hunch. Either way, he must've gotten crack because he was gone for three days right so. sure yeah i mean you're gonna get the shit slapped out of you if you take a bike on a crack run one day they were getting ready for a road trip and they were uh the players were all coming to meet the bus in the parking lot and they had a a young player nicknamed throw baby and he pulled up in the parking lot to get on the bus he opened his car door and just fell out and rolled onto the ground his face was covered in scrapes and he was bleeding Harry asked him what happened, and Throw Baby said he had been jumped. Harry, quote, who knows? They fixed him up and got him on the bus. <laughs> what? I bet you that slap coach. I bet you slap coach just beat the shit out of him. Japanese slap coach. Yeah. It's just another day in the life of the bees. All right. Well, this one's. let's roll him in. Get him on the bus. Come on, guys. We're going to weekend to Bernie him behind home plate. The team went to Bakersfield on a road trip while Harry was suspended. Norris actually arrived on time and started. The fourth string catcher used chalk from the foul line to make what looked like four lines of coke on the pitching rubber. Oh, my God. So he walks out to the mound, and on this little white strip, there's four, like, what looks like lines. lines of coke. And Norris fucking laughs his ass off. He just thinks it's so goddamn funny. And he's, not anymore, not anymore. Harry's in the, ble- in the bleachers watching the game, and he's wearing a bees shirt. So local drunks see him, and they start heckling him. And it gets worse as the game goes on. Sure. The bees hear it on the field, and they tell the guys to stop, but the guys keep at it. And after a little while, they start making threats. So when the game ends, the bees run over towards the bleachers and climb the wall and a like massive a brawl starts between <laughs> a massive brawl starts between the bees, the drunk fans, and then the security guards. Two security guards are hurt. Harry is cut under his eye. Police have to escort Harry and Norris to the press box to keep them safe. As they do, the crowd is booing and throwing garbage at them. At that moment, Harry thought, quote, "We are on the baseball map." Can you imagine your eyes bleeding? We're back. The bees are back. (laughs) He thought it would generate tons of attention. 
Yes, I believe bring, it will. Bring people out. It would bring people out, right? Yeah. After the game, seven bees went to a local bar, and the four drunk fans who had started the whole thing were there. And they jumped the team's 24-year-old shortstop and broke his jaw. Oh, shit. Now, I searched every newspaper from this time period. I just, I, massive search in newspapers. The only thing I could find about this event was, in a, in a paper, was that the shortstop had been attacked on the street and his jaw broken. Like, they were just like, oh, he was jumped on the street. Like, that was the only... So the brawl right. wasn't in there, nothing about the fight at the stadium. So what was really going on was the bees weren't really news anymore. The excitement of these drug users coming together on a team had worn off. The media came, they wrote stories, and then and now they were gone. Hmm. And Harry thought his team would draw huge crowds. It didn't. Harry, quote, I thought everywhere we went, there'd be 3,000, 4,000 people every night. Frankly, I was disappointed. So Harry's worn down. During his suspension, he decided to step down as manager. And he hired to be manager... Japanese slap coach? (laughs) Chef. He hired the son of the guy who had left, the first manager. Oh, okay. Right. Okay, the guy who quit because he got a different gig. Yeah, he hired... So it's like, helpfully abandoning the uh, job is not genetic. (laughs) Harry stays on a GM, though. He's still working as GM. So the players all really like Harry. He started out, as we said, like a guy trying to make a buck, but he had empathy. Norris, quote, I love Harry. If Harry would have said no to me, that would have been the end of my career. The compassion that he showed, I'll always love him for that. He was also giving an opportunity to marginal black players. So there's not many black players on the bench in Major League Baseball. It's mostly just starters right. and stars, but on the bench, all white guys. Right. So Harry... Well, yeah, I mean, you got to make sure people are doing cocaine. That's right. Well, so, yeah. so like one of my favorite players when I was growing up as a kid was Terry Whitfield. And Terry Whitfield eventually got older and he was on the bench. And so that meant he would just come in to hit a couple times a game or something like that. And he was actually a great pinch hitter, but the Dodgers still cut him. Because he's, again, right. right? He's a black guy. Um, pinch so hitters crazy. were almost all white guys. So, <laughs> so he starts signing those guys. Uh, he also signed uh, Ted Milner, but Milner was floundering after 32 games, and Harry had to cut him. Milner told Harry he had no way to get back to L.A. after being cut, so Harry loaned him his car and told him to bring it back whenever he could. How, how, if Harry has seen so many, I mean, he's seen a bike go missing for three days because of a, <laughs> a crack chase. Well, and he's like, take my car. I don't know if he'd give it to a drug guy, but Milner was just like right. a dude who played a lot and didn't have a team anymore. Right. He should have signed a driver to drive him. Yeah. <laughs> he should have. We have a bunch of pinch drivers here, too. We have pinch hitters, pinch drivers. Harry signed an ex-MLB player, Todd Cruz, who had a history of drug problems. He told the San Jose Mercury News, quote, I went the devil's road, cocaine and alcohol. So he's still in the middle of the season signing guys who are ex-drug guys. So Wright started thinking about his time in rehab when he got straight and became a counselor and that he liked working with young people. 
And so now he's thinking, I could be a really good coach. Like, I know how to work with right. young people. At the same time, it turns out he was drinking every single game. Oh, wow. He was a drunk okay. third baseman. Sure. Right. Sure. On June 25th, the league cleared Steve Howe on the cocaine charges, and he was okay. reinstated as a player. So that, that's all that was in the papers. Big deal. But they just said, no, the test was okay, and he was back. Okay, sure, whatever. Um, No explanations given. So he's back on the bees. Howe was always joking around on the team bus. The bus was an old 1959 GMC. It was known to break down. Once once it broke down on a mountain pass as they were going to Palm Springs, and it took two days to fix. Oof. One of the things Howe loved to do on the bus was pull the player's nose hairs while they were sleeping. Oh, my God. What a horrendous prank. So this is the worst guy on the team, right? (laughs) Well, I mean, can you imagine being woken up from that? You're like, ah, ah, it's a terrible way to wake up. I'd rather the slap coach hit me. Uh, Yeah. Um, It never stopped being amusing to Steve Howe, no matter how tiresome it became to everyone else. Good Lord. A lot of good. That's how you that would be like your own just on the fly drug test. That's right. Rip out their nose hairs. If there's a little dandruff drip and you're like, uh oh. Uh, he would usually sit on a cooler full of beer in the aisle at the front of the bus, looking back at the team. He acted as... So sobriety was embraced on this team. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the interesting thing is I, you know, it's the 80s, so I don't yeah. think they're connecting like all sobriety with drug. They're just right. like, ah, oh, just, just drink, but that'll be it. Like there's no... We're all sober, so we only drink alcohol. <laughs> I don't drink alcohol, Jim. I just drink beer. Oh, jeez. Well, all right, Father. I mean, do you remember that ad? The, the um, what's it called? Promo, but the, it played for a while. It was a guy on TV, and he was like, I used to say I didn't drink. I didn't, I didn't drink alcohol, you know, but I was drinking three six-packs a day. And that's the same thing. I and you're, and like that. they had to explain to people. They had actually had a promo to explain to people that, Drinking three six packs a day was bad, and you know, alcohol. It's pr- it's probably just trying to unwind years of branded marketing yeah. of how acceptable beer drinking. You know, like yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's, it's a testament to how well they've advertised. Maybe yeah, in a terrible way. So he would sit there on the cooler and entertain everybody. And um, but in the July road trip to Reno. Uh, he was a little quiet and the trips to Reno were always super exciting and fun. Everyone was up because they were going to casinos and brothels. But on this trip, Howe was very, very quiet during one of the games in Reno. Norris was pitching and he waved rights over from third base to come to the mound. And he told him, quote, "Rumi, I left my dope in the room. It's in the curtain in the corner where the curtain ends at the bottom. After this inning, I'm going to the hotel to get it. Oh, my God. So he makes the final out, and then he runs to the hotel to grab his pot and makes it back just in time to start the next inning. <laughs> I mean, that is a serious addiction to pot. It really is. Like, I've just been without pot. He just it, wanted to be high, you know, man. He just wanted I to be mean, high. I mean, sure, but that is some stoner motivation. So soon they knew why Steve Howe had been so quiet on the bus. He failed another drug test. Oh, Jesus. When the positive test was announced, he left the team with the understanding he would go to rehab 
And then he flew home to Montana and told the press, quote, I'm pondering retirement right now. I really don't know what's going on. Mm. Uh, he was suspended from baseball until December 31st. So he's suspended for the rest of the calendar year. Right. The bees just flounder in the league. Another former major leaguer on his way down signed with the bees and he played for the team for three weeks. And then on a road trip to Southern California, he just left without saying anything. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. That's normal, right? To ghost your team. Is that possible? That guy actually ended up signing and still playing in the majors. Oh, my God. So they were just like, hey, he's on TV. (laughs) He is alive. Uh, The rest of the year, Norris pitched really, really well. He struck out 62 batters. He still had major league stuff. He could still pitch. But no major league team would take him. He's blackballed. Right. Sconiers was also playing very well, but no one wanted him. He greatly regretted ever admitting publicly that he was a drug addict. Quote, if I knew then what I know now, I probably wouldn't have stepped forward like I did. I asked for help, and I got it, but then I got this. Right. So both him and Steve Howe, the first time they, people found out they were drug addicts was because they came out and told the press, I'm, a, I'm an addict and I need help, and then baseball did this to them. Yeah, it is. I mean, I'm just thinking about how shit that is obviously but also in the just say no campaign right i mean like shouldn't you have a contingency plan for when people publicly tell people they said yes but now say no or well the, just, there wasn't one the contingency plan was fuck off you're a bad person yeah of course so we've yeah. come a long way well the truth is that i know i mean it is it is just it is trying to find like it's almost like when you know, when people were like, yeah, the coronavirus is up to the states. You're just like, yeah, you deal with it. <laughs> yeah. You handle it. You figure it out, you know? Yeah. So, I mean. It's on you. It's better now, but, you know, it's still not great. Well, at least now, like, if you, at least now there's a connection to mental health and addiction. Yeah. You know, like, it wasn't just like you were someone who partied. It was, you know, it's like you, you there is an actual you know, there's a, a problem. No, there's a health problem. Um, yeah. Uh, in September, President Reagan gave a speech on TV with Nancy, and he called for a national crusade against drugs. And, quote, those who are killing America and terrorizing with slow but sure chemical res- destruction. And the Reagans then endorsed the death penalty for drug dealers. So that's the mindset, right? Yeah. Well, it's also, it really is nice now because America has really done a 180 because we now are able to profit off of getting people addicted <laughs> to drugs. And that's better. It's a better system. The bees finished that year 65 and 77 in last place. Harry, quote, the year didn't come across as great as I thought. When the year ended, it was depressing because I knew that was a one-time thing and without a working agreement, the future wasn't very bright. Their attendance had increased, though. It went from around uh, 700 to around 1300 Kern okay. never asked Harry to pay that $25,000 lease fee for the team. Okay. Uh, Ken Wrights played with the 1987 Bs, and then he retired. He had been playing drunk every game. He had, wow. He's been sober since 1988 and became a public speaker about sobriety. Daryl Sconiers. He should also become a public speaker about how to do your job drunk for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Darryl, Love to know the technique. 
<laughs> Daryl Sconiers played four more minor league seasons, but never made it back to the Major League Baseball. His stats were good enough for him to make it back. Howe was given a lifetime ban, but then it was reversed. He made it back to Major League Baseball in 1991. So why not just ban him? Why? Well, you know, why U- the caveat? Ubroth wanted to crack down, but then a new uh, uh, they they would appeal right. it, and there's an arbitration thing. So it was a right. you know went through the legal channels. Um, he makes it back into Major League Baseball in 1991 with the Yankees, who he played with until 1996. I think they won the first championship in 1997. So. Mm. In that era. Wow. Uh, in 1997, Steve Howe played on the Sioux Fall Canaries, an independent team run by a guy named Harry Stravrenrio. So Harry Steve had changed his name and was back to where he was working in baseball, and he brought Steve Howe uh-huh. in. Okay. Uh, he had, Harry had become a scout for the San Francisco Giants and then an owner, a general manager, manager, executive. He's just in the independent baseball sort of circuit right in the game on april 28 2006 steve howe rolled his pickup truck in coachella california and died the autopsy found methamphetamine in his system he was 48 years old wow wow daryl sconiers was last seen in san bernardino california it's not a good start in 2011 he was homeless at the time wow no one ever heard from him again god damn Mike Norris made it back to the majors with Oakland in 1990. He pitched 14 games. Uh, he had back surgery in 2000 and had to go on pain pills again, but he seems to be doing oh, okay. okay. He, he goes to A's functions and stuff, so he's still kind of a guy around. Um, yeah, so that's the, that's the story of the San Jose Bees. That is crazy. I don't think it could happen today. Yeah, I don't think it could either. Because I, I would, this is what I was going to say. I, I would imagine, I would have imagined people would have turned out for those games to see those yeah. players. I do think you're right. I don't think that would happen today. And, but I also think the team wouldn't even happen because you get, you get a different response now when you have a problem. Like that guy uh, yeah. for the Angels who had the heroin problem, um, Hamilton. Yeah. Like he, and, and that was one where I was like, oh, this is kind of fucked for the team because he was making like $20 million a year. And then he would be like, I have, I'm back on heroin. I'm going to take time off. And it was like, oh, you're still, you're still making $20 million a year. Yeah. Um, so that was always, I was like, well, that's weird. Maybe you should not take your salary if you're, if you're doing that. Going but then you're to, like, well, I mean, yeah. I don't know. They knew it when they signed him. It's a very complicated thing. But, you know, he, yeah, he, yeah. he went and he went to rehab. And then the Angels cut him, but then he signed with the the Texas Rangers. Like he got a job and he went to the playoffs and stuff. So I don't know. Is it different? I don't know. What happens with players who do drugs now? There a lot it seems like a lot fewer players are being caught or outed about it that we know of. I, I well I also think that it it's I mean, you know, it's like <laughs> In leagues like the NFL, you know, it it is purely talent based. If yeah. you, no matter what you have done, yeah. no matter what you have done, for the most part, if you have the talent, someone will sign you. Yeah, no, the, you will play. The NFL is full of barbarians, like just terrible, terrible, yeah. violent. There is actually a, an NFL player named uh, I think his name's Darren Waller, and he was one of those guys who was signed by the Ravens and had a hair. I think heroin. And then he got re-signed, and he's like the best player in Oakland. Yeah, but, um, yeah. I mean, what, I don't know. It's, 
I, I don't think I don't think rehab was as good back then as it maybe is now. I know a lot of rehab sure. is still bullshit, but um, you know, it's just a way to suck money off of people. But uh, there's good ones. There's good ones too, obviously. You know, that help people. And also, I mean, you addiction was just framed in such a you know, it was like a personal deficiency. Yeah. Whereas now it is acknowledged as a, you know, mental health problem. Right. Um, so, so could Mike Norris have gotten the help he needed and gone to yeah. a decent rehab and maybe, you know, that's why I don't think the bees could exist today because I don't think the fucking the cutest name for a bunch of guys who are just doing Coke with rooster and <laughs> losing pot in their hotel curtains. <laughs> Where are the bees? Yeah, it's an it's an interesting it's a really interesting sort of look at how we've changed society yeah. wise. Because you know, like I said, with Reagan and with Uberoth running the league, like they were just authoritarian douchebags to these people. As opposed to being like, especially the one that really gets me is this this Sconiers kid because he's young and he has this beautiful natural baseball swing. And uh, like a guy like Reggie Jackson is admiring, which Reggie Jackson might have the most beautiful swing yeah. of all time. And and they're like, and they just they, they they he never got a shot. Like he came out and said, "I'm an addict." And then I'm sorry, but he never yeah. he was never given a second opportunity. He was just like, "Fuck this guy." Well, also, I mean, to what I think you were saying before, I mean, that would be so, like if you were if you were serious about trying to fix drug addicts and stuff. I mean, that would be a great story to embrace and like lean into and highlight, you know, as a good story. Yeah. Story this guy, this guy redemption. came clean. You can, you can get over yeah. this and you can, and you get rewarded for that and better. share, you know, opening up about something like that. Yeah. You, you get uh, rewarded. And these, these players like, were very aware that there was a different system for different players. You know, the, yeah. they're just like steroids. There's, you know, players that yeah. got caught doing steroids and then the hall of fame. And there's other ones that are like, they will never let you in the hall of fame. So, a lot of people think that's why Sammy Sosa turned white. <laughs> they think that that was the play. <laughs> but yeah, so it's uh, yeah, uh, you, you just wish, yeah. it, you just wish it, you just wish that at the time they had an understanding, a better understanding. So yeah, and I mean, this country's still just like we're not great. I mean, well, our ability to. You know, we don't have an interest in solving the drug problem well, in the country. So yeah, everyone knows how to do it. <laughs> everyone knows what we need yeah. to do. Portugal has done yeah, it uh, beautifully. Por- I, I mean, yeah, and really, I mean, while I don't know a ton about it, it doesn't seem that it was that difficult. It seemed no. like it was kind of. It just kind of goes with like reading the numbers and just saying, yeah, yeah they, okay. they, de- they they legalized everything, you decriminalized, decriminalized yeah. it, and then and then all the crime went down all over the country mm-hmm. and and. You know, everything's better. It's a wild, wild success. It's not hard. Yeah. Not hard to figure out. Yep. It's just like yep. coronavirus. Right, we actually can see the map on how to do it. There's countries that are doing it fine. Australia, uh, Viet- uh, Vietnam, uh, uh, South Korea. I don't understand. How are people not so fucking pissed? How are you not so pissed? I am. When I see Australia, I am so pissed. I mean, it's just. It's and the and like I was I emailed with Foz yesterday, and uh, he, he was just like, "Yeah, mate, I went to a pool party last weekend." And I was like, "Yeah, I get it. I understand that things are going really good there." Yeah, I I was I was uh, going back and forth with a comedian who was trying to figure out whether or not to do a a show this year at a festival, and one of the things was she was like, "What well, should 
I just, I also feel bad that you guys are watching us. I'm like, no, everybody in other countries who's, who's living a fine life needs to constantly post pictures so Americans can see yeah. how fucking shitty we are, how shitty yeah. we are as, as a society. It, it just keep throwing that shit up there. Well, and then, I mean, you watch the Super Bowl yesterday and you're like, this country just doesn't, I mean, doesn't it care. just doesn't give a fuck. Doesn't care at all. Just doesn't give a fuck. We, there is absolutely no, like, like I was talking to my dad about, you know, when Churchill asked all the, you know, like for Dunkirk, when he had to like ask people to like get their boats and like drive, you know, take their boats to go. I mean, can you imagine anything near that today? No. Like people be like, uh, no. Fuck them. <laughs> Well, then they done Kirk to bad move. Yeah. The, la- yeah. the lack of empathy in this country is really horrifying. Yeah. Understand. And it, and it isn't just corrupt. I mean, I, you know, it's, well, whatever. I'm not even going to get into it. Nope. Okay. Done. Wrapped. <laughs> Self-wrap. All right. All right. Go bees. Go boys. Sources for this episode, John Shulian, uh, his book Twilight of the Long Ball Gods, Dispatches from the Disappearing Heart of Baseball, uh, from Rolling Stone, Neil Carlin's The Bad Nose Bees, and in Sports Illustrated uh, by Tom Verducci, Weirdest Team Ever, Drug Users, Hasbands, and Never Wers on 1986 San Jose Bees. Hey there, people listening to The Dollop. Uh, this is Gareth. Yes, the same guy. I Listen, I have a new podcast called We're Here to Help that I'm doing with my friend Jake Johnson. It's basically a call and advice show where we don't say that we're professionals because we aren't, but we try to help people with problems that are important to them. You can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts, and it is out right now. So go listen to We're Here to Help with Jake and Gareth. We're here to help with Gareth and Jake. I don't remember how we did it, but either way, fun half hour comes out Tuesday, August 22nd, and the episodes will be out every Tuesday and Friday. We're here to help. Oh, hey there, everybody. It's Gareth, you know, from this uh, this podcast. Uh, listen, I've got some stand-up shows. I'm inviting the Garmy, the Gareth Army, to join me for. I will be in Fort Collins, Colorado, August 18th and August 19th. I will be in Minneapolis, Minnesota, August 24th through August 26th at Acme. I will be going to the UK in September. Please join me. I will be in Glasgow, September 13th, London, September 15th, Dublin, September 17th, September 19th, Manchester, Birmingham, September 20th, Bristol, September 22nd, and Cardiff, September 24th. And then in November, I'll be in Australia. November 10th, almost sold out, I think. I'll be in Melbourne, Australia. Then I will be in Northbridge, Australia on November 15th. Adelaide, November 16th. Canberra, November 17th. Brisbane, November 18th. And then I will be in uh, Sydney on November 24th. Go to GarethReynolds.com for tickets. Garmy, let's get at it after it. Let's see you there.